morning, everyone. Uh, great to see all of you, and uh, let me be the first to bring greetings to you from Ghana, West Africa, where I was this past week, uh, training about 100 pastors and Christian leaders. A uh, picture for you up here, I think, of some of them. Uh, you see the, the class that I taught there, and then a little video of them doing some worship. I thought you might appreciate that. We'll try to run that. And they were just warming up at that point. <laughs> and uh, I want, you know, God's doing a great work there. And I had some of them specifically come up to me and say, when you go back, would you please thank your church for praying for worldwide missions and for allowing you to come and be with us? My goal was to help them understand what does it mean as a pastor, as a Christian leader, to live and walk in the Spirit? They don't get a lot of teaching about that. They get a lot of teaching about how to do ministry. But there's nobody really pouring into them how to live out the Christian life in your own personal walk with God. And so um, that was my emphasis. And I just want to share with you what God is doing there through our partners in TTI. Though we don't specifically give to the work in Africa, we do give in terms of when I go and, and teach and train. And we do have a global partner there who's not part of TTI, Sam Dunya. But listen to what's happening just... Uh, 22 and so far in 23, there have been nearly 1,800 churches planted in villages that don't have churches. There have been 37,295 new disciples made for Christ. There have been 504 widows who have been impacted and 518 orphans. I think that's being Jesus. So I wanted to share that with you. Because I, I want you to remember, and this is not pride for us as a church, but I want you to always keep in mind that Wooddale has always had, way before I ever came, Wooddale has always had a truly a worldwide heart, a kingdom mindset, that our resources are not just our own, but they're to impact people here, near, and far. So thank you for making that possible. Now we're in this uh, new series uh, called, you know, first impressions, where we're talking about, you know, how, how can God use us uh, to make a godly impression on others that would cause them to want to know what is so different about us that would open the door for us to share Christ and his love with them. And Pastor Kyle did a great job reminding us of the significance and the importance of the power of kindness. Have you been kind this week? I hope you have. hope God gave you some opportunities to do that. And if you messed up and you're unkind, guess what? He's a God who forgives and you get to start all over again. This morning I want to talk to you and to those of you joining us online about what it means to be present in the moment with others. Because I tell you what, that is something I personally am not good at. It is hard to be present in the moment in the world that we live in with others these days because there are so many distractions. They come at us all the time. It affects our marriages. It affects our families. It affects the places where we work. It affects our, our ministries, our churches. Think about all the distractions that you and I face that 
that go against this idea of being in the moment. And by the way, when I say being present in the moment, I mean you're all there. Mind, will, emotions, body, relationships, everything. You're just like so focused in that moment with people. How many of you have a watch on? Let me see your hands. How many of you have a smart watch on? I'm going to go back to dumb watches because my... My smartwatch is a real problem for me sometimes. I will be in a meeting with somebody. I'll be talking to somebody. I'll be at home with Marsha, the kids, and all of a sudden it goes, bzz. And I act as though world leaders are trying to get a hold of me. <laughs> because there's just something in me. And, and have you tried to figure out how to do it slyly? <laughs> right? You know, when we do that, how does that make that poor person feel that we're supposed to be talking to, spending time with our spouse, our neighbor, stranger, whoever it might be? How many of you have your iPhone or whatever phone with you? Go ahead and take it out. It's okay. Take it out. Please, I want you to take it out because we're going to burn them. Just kidding, all right? All right? Some of you almost had a heart attack when I said that, right? Isn't it interesting? Our phones can shiver. They can buzz. They can alarm. They can make all kinds of sounds. Do you know our phones have become like, like the umbilical cord and the placenta in the womb, right? We feel like they're somehow attached to us. And, you know, we have them on the table while we eat our meals. We have them everywhere we go because, again, you never know when a world leader might be reaching out for you, <laughs> all right, and, and may need advice from you. And when that thing goes, what happens in your mind? I know what happens in my mind when that thing buzzes or I feel it in my pocket or whatever. I, 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 it is so hard, I just want to go like this. You know, who might it be? What do I need to do? Now, I, if you probably have noticed, I don't do much in terms of social media, and I'm thankful. But there are a lot, you know, a lot of times you get some kind of a notice on your phone about social media. In fact, I just got this weekly report that's available about my screen time. Anyway, um, <laughs> Uh, and, and so social media is a huge distraction. You know, who just, who just put something on my Facebook page? Who just tweeted out something? What's on TikTok, right? What's on Twitter? What's on, and on and on the list goes. It becomes an enormous dis, uh, uh, distraction. The internet becomes an enormous distraction. Or, you know, we are so busy with places to be and people to see and things to do. Have you ever been in a meeting or... Uh, a situation where you're talking to somebody and, and you're trying to have eye-to-eye -eye contact and then you see somebody else show up and it's somebody else that you, you need to talk to right away. You just feel like, I need to say, I got to talk to this person and you're stuck here and you want to be there and maybe you, maybe you were rude enough to say, just a minute, I really need to go say something to that person. Has anybody ever been the victim of that? Right? And you know how it feels? You just feel like, I guess... I guess they would rather be with that person than, than to be with me. So there are all these huge distractions in our lives that keep us from being present in the moment with our loved ones, with our friends, and particularly with those who so desperately need to experience Jesus, but they need us to be all there in order for them to experience Jesus. I want to take you to a short story in the Gospels that describes one of these moments when somebody was enormously distracted. 
It's found over in Luke chapter 10. If you want to turn there with me, you may know the story. It's just interesting to me that it's put where it is because it's in the midst of Jesus being really busy and sending lots of his disciples out and finding out how they're doing and how God's at work in their life. And he stops in one of his favorite places, Bethany, to visit three of his favorite people, Lazarus, Martha, her, and Mary who were sisters, brothers and sisters. Now we assume from the passage and other things that we know that Martha was the older sister. So Luke chapter 10, and um, I'm going to uh, pick up the story over here in verse 38. It says, as Jesus and disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister, Mary, sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits there while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. The Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, culturally, you couldn't blame Martha for being upset about this. And uh, we'll come to that verse in a little bit. And um, the reason why is is because in that world, in that time, okay, um, and please don't miss understand me and write me emails and throw things at me. I'm not espousing this. I'm just telling you, back then in those days, a woman's place was in the kitchen. A woman's place was to be responsible for the kind of the domestic engineering in the home. A woman did not sit at the feet of a rabbi and listen to his teachings. That was where the men were. Men who aspired to, you know, understand and become like the rabbi. So in a sense, Martha culturally has every right to say to Jesus, You know, why are you allowing Mary to behave like a man? She should be in the kitchen helping me. And I'm guessing some of the disciples are probably wondering the same thing in their own minds. What is this woman doing here with us listening to you? And I I love what Jesus does. And Luke is all about the outsider and how the outsider gets accepted by Jesus. He tells us that Jesus looks at Martha and says, Martha, I hate to tell you this. You've got it wrong. And Jesus isn't angry. He's not scolding her. The original version is Martha, Martha. It's, a, it's an endearing term. And he's saying, in essence, dear Martha, dear Martha. Look what Jesus says. Go to the passage now. He says, but the Lord said to her, my dear Martha. He loves Martha as much as he loves Mary. He says, you are worried and you're upset over all these details. And in the Greek, if you look up those words carefully, Uh, They refer to, first of all, being torn in two and being dragged different directions. So in other words, what Jesus is saying is, my dear Martha, you are torn in two by so many things. You are dragged in so many directions. He says, there is only one thing, one thing that is worth being concerned about. He says, Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her, which means that all these other things you're so worried about, they're going to be taken away from you. They're not going to last. Your iPhone's going to fall apart. You, 
You can be buried with your iPhone, but you're not going to take it to heaven with you. You can be buried with your smartwatch, but you're not going to take it to heaven. You can be buried with all those things, but they're not going to follow after you. So Jesus isn't against dinner being made. That's not his point. He's actually looking at something much deeper in Martha's life. And in essence, he's saying, you know, Martha, as I look deep into your life, it's becoming obvious that you have a hard time understanding about what is the most important thing. And the most important thing is in the room right now when it's me and Mary's figured it out. And she has chosen in this moment to be, listen carefully, to be fully present with me. So I want to suggest to you that if we're going to learn to be fully present in the moment with others, spouse, friends, loved ones, neighbors, those especially who need to experience Christ, if I'm going to learn to be fully present in the moment with others, bring Christ into the moment with others. We're going to talk about this more in a couple of weeks. I want to talk about what it means to be Jesus. Because, because where is Jesus today? In you, in me. So every time, every time I'm with somebody, I'm incarnationally bringing Christ to them. So I want to make sure I'm in the moment with Jesus so that when I'm with them, Jesus is in the moment with me with them. We'll talk more about that. But in order for me to learn to be in the moment with my wife or a stranger, I have to learn, first of all, what it means to be in the moment with Christ. I actually want to preach two messages today, but they said I couldn't. There's not enough time. But I will tease you with this. We're going to talk about it in a couple of weeks. Do you realize that you cannot go into the past and be with God? Because the past is done. And you cannot go into the future and be with God. The only time you and I are able to be with God is right now, in this moment. And this moment's gone just like that. But in this moment, you and I have the unique opportunity to be with him, to be in connection with him. So if I only had this moment, why would I allow myself to be distracted in the moment? with something else that is far less important. Does that make sense? In the moment, I want to be with him. I was talking to these 100 pastors this past week. It was so convicting. I felt like God was just speaking to me the whole time, not to them, because they are so busy getting these churches planted. I said, guys, gals, you can't go try to plant these churches and, and leave God behind. You have to go do it while you're in the moment with him so you're conscious of him while you do this. So I want to share with you seven principles of what it means to be in the moment with Christ. And, and you know, his Brother Lawrence, who, was a, who, who served a bunch of monks in Paris in the 1600s, he washed dishes, he bought the food, and all his little letters were compiled in a book called Practicing the Presence of God. You ever heard of that book? It's a great little book. Practicing the Presence of God, Brother Lawrence. I, I'm adapting some of his ideas of what it means to learn to practice being in the presence of the Lord every moment. How can you and I do that, all right? So in order to do that, seven principles. Number one, practicing the presence of God means, first of all, believing that he wants to be present with you. And by the way, you can go to our website, our small group section. We'll have all these listed for you, okay? 
But it starts out by realizing God really wants to be with you and me. He does. And, uh, you know, sometimes the way things go in our lives, we get to that place where we don't even want to be with ourselves. Does that ever happen to you? Just get so tired of ourselves. We just see what jerks we can be. And we just go, you know, I'm so tired of myself, I cannot imagine God wanting to be with me. But the reality is God wants to be with you and me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Look at this passage of, of Scripture. Listen to what it says. 2 Corinthians 6.16. Would you read it loud with me? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. You know what, you know what God's saying there? He says, I don't just want to be with you. I actually want to be in you. Those of you who are joining us at our campus at Diana Online, just stop for a moment. Everybody here, just stop for a moment. Close your eyes. And I just for a moment want you to realize the Spirit of God is living in you if you're a follower of Christ. Just think about that. The Spirit of God right now is in me. Isn't that overwhelming? Have you ever thought of, do you get up and think about that? Do we live in that awareness that the Spirit of God is actually living in us? Principle number two, okay? Practicing the presence of God means becoming overwhelmed with his love. Most of us live underwhelmed with his love. When we should be overwhelmed with his love. Are you overwhelmed by the fact that God chooses to love you? Look what the scripture says here in the book of Romans. It says, no power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that absolutely stunning and amazing? But see, most of us are sitting here right now and some of you aren't even with me right now. In the moment, you're thinking about something that happened earlier this morning or yesterday. You're thinking about the Super Bowl tonight. Is it tonight? You're thinking about something else that needs to happen. Your mind is somewhere else. Do you know that on average we have 150 open files in our mind? Researchers tell us. 150 things that are unresolved that need to get resolved. Issues, problems, relationships. And so our minds so quickly drift in those things and we lose being in the moment with God and then we lose being in the moment with others. And just think about this, how much you are loved by God. That should send chills up our spine. That should overwhelm us that every day we get up and no matter what we've done, where we've been, what we said, God overwhelmingly loves us and nothing will ever separate us from his love. Does that grip you? Does that move you? Does that overwhelm you? Do you sense, do you feel that overwhelming sense of God's love? Number three. I got my notes here because I have so much to say. I got to keep it in time. 
practicing the presence of God means surrendering, listen carefully, surrendering yourself to the satisfaction of doing God's will no matter your circumstances. Now think about it. Yeah, think about this one a little bit, right? Practicing the presence of God means surrendering yourself. Here's the key to the satisfaction of doing God's will no matter your circumstances. See, I can learn to be comfortable in the presence of God when I realize no matter how good or how bad my circumstances is, God is in control. So I don't have to let my mind go and wander and worry about all those things. I can just be with God right now because I'm not distracted by what's going on in my life. God's in control. Look at what the scriptures say here. Paul writes and says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for good, for the good of those who are, excuse me, for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them a right standing, he gave them his glory. Now, there's what Paul's saying by that is, look, God chose you. God loves you. Nothing's going to happen in your life that God doesn't allow. And whatever it is, even if it's bad things, God is going to use that to bring you to a place of closeness to him. And that's what happens in suffering. It either draws you closer to God or it pushes you away from God. And it's up to you which way it's going to go. When I can believe that God is sovereign and God is in control. That's when I experience his presence. That's when I can be still and know that he is God. Ask Job, ask Joseph, ask Jesus, who accepted the providence of God's will. I don't know what you're going through right now, but can you believe that God is in control? And whatever is being taken away from you, you know, the Bible says in John 15 that Jesus prunes us. When you prune a tree or you prune a vine, it experiences loss. Have you ever noticed that? It loses branches, it loses vines. So that all that energy will go into a few and become more fruitful. You may be going through a pruning season right now where there's, a, there's loss in your life. Don't be focused on what you're losing in your life. Be focused on what you're gaining in your life. And that is you're being brought closer to him. So as you lean into him with that loss, he provides what you would never have if you had all those extra branches sticking around. That's how God works. Next, practicing the presence of God means not being overwhelmed by what's wrong with the world. This was good for me. But surprise, it's not worse than believing that one day God will remedy this universe. One of the biggest distractions is the, is the news media. And have you ever noticed the news media just can't talk about anything except what's wrong? What's evil? What's bad? I don't know about you, but sometimes I look at the news and I find myself enormously distracted because I'm thinking about all this tragedy around me and I'm not making light of it. But honestly, if you think about this, and we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks, I think. If you think about this, isn't it amazing it's not worse? 
Do you know that in Jeremiah 79, when God says that the human heart is so wicked and so desperate, who can possibly know it? If you really understand that verse, in essence, what, what God is saying through Jeremiah is, if you really saw how wicked you are and how wicked I am, you'd die. It would kill you. It would overwhelm you. There's a sense in which God protects us from seeing just how bad we are. Why would we expect a better world? Why do we allow that to distract us so much and raise all these doubts about God and his goodness? The only good news in the world is, is what I read to you that's happening in Africa. Or what's happening in America when God's people show up and are his witnesses and are making a difference. We are the only good news in America. Please join me and stop looking to our politicians for good news. Please join me and stop looking to the economy for good news. Your retirement account for good news. The doctor's health report for your good news. Our good news is that Jesus loved us, that he saved us, that we are going to die someday, but when we do, we're going to go and be with him forever. So we can be somewhat optimistic in a very pessimistic world. And that just frees you up to enjoy God more, doesn't it? Instead of raising all kinds of questions about him and thinking maybe he's unjust or maybe he's forgotten about us or why does he let bad things happen to good people? All right, next one. Practicing the presence of God means, listen, this is going to be a fun one, okay? means learning to do everything. Say the word everything with me. Everything. I'm going to make you all Pentecostals yet, okay? Just kidding, just kidding, all right? Practicing the presence of God means, do, means learning to do what? Everything for the love and glory of God. That's what Brother Lawrence taughts, uh, teaches us in those letters that were collected of his. I mean, here's this poor guy. He buys groceries for the monks. He cleans up after him. He washes dishes. And in all of that, he thought, what worth, what value do I have? And he realized, you know what? The worth and value I have is the fact that God loves me. And in everything I do, I'm going to do it for his glory. You know, there are some things that are hard to do. There are some things that are hard to do, but you can do it for God's glory. There are some jobs that are, that are not easy or fun jobs. Cleaning up after people or cleaning people up. Doing those kinds of things. But, you know, you and I can do everything. We can do everything for God's glory. And when I look at it that way, I'm doing this for God's glory. Let's just have a contest. So I've asked Pastor Kyle to come up. Pastor Adam, where are you? Quickly, gentlemen, come stand here in the front here on the floor in the front, we're going to have a little race, guys, all right? Uh, Kyle's not good at taking instructions. That's okay. Right? That's, because, that's because he's a leader, all right? So, all right, gentlemen, here's what I want you to do. This, this is my race. I'm sponsoring this race. There's a $100 bill. I love the smell of money, all right? It's real. It's real. It's not fake, Okay. I want you guys, but you can only do a power walk out of here. I don't want you running out of here and messing the camera up, okay? Once you're out those doors, you can run. Go to the cafe. First one that brings me back a goodie, donut or whatever. When you come back in, you have to power walk. You have to go up the center aisle and down the center aisle. Gets $100. Could you guys use 100 Adam, could you use 100 Yes, sir. You'll tie 10%, right? Yep. All right. <laughs> Kyle, you could use 100 Always. Okay, Ready? And while they do this, what are your, you know, let's, let's, let's take bets. It'll all go to missions, but let's take bets on who's, no, I'm just kidding. Let's, who's going to win this, all right? $100 prize. Ready? 
On the count of three, go. One, two, three. Power watch, gentlemen, all right? There they go. I hope they don't take too long. So we got 10 minutes left. But it is a real $100 bill. All right, ooh, they just took off running. You know, Kyle runs a lot, so he may have the edge on this. But um, I heard that Adam's good at tripping people, so uh, he may have the edge on that, all right? See, right now your minds are wandering, aren't they? You're not in the moment with me. Stay in the moment with me, all right? Don't live in the past. Don't live in the future. Who do you think is going to win? All right? What happened to poor Adam? Did you trip him on the way? Where is he? Is he coming? Adam, come on, dude. You, oh, no. oh, 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 oh. What do I do? Uh, one donut. He brought me the whole bag. But rules are rules, right? All right, Adam, I'm sorry, man. Maybe you can share that with the row that you're sitting in or something. Kyle, come on up here. All right, Kyle, well, let's get up for Kyle. <clears throat> All right, Kyle, here you go. I said 100 bucks. You just, Kyle just turned 40 this past Monday. Thanks, sir. All right. Yeah, 100 yeah. bucks. All right. Congratulations. You won the glory. Absolutely. Now we're going to turn this around. This is a spiritual illustration. You remember that, okay? And we just had a principle. Can you put the principle back up here? Kyle, I want you to see it again. Practice the presence of God means learning to do everything for the love and glory of who? Of God, right? Okay, so Kyle, I want you to give me back the $100. I know you're competitive. I, was, I'm, I gotta tithe it, though. No, well, I'll tithe it. It's okay. <laughs> All right? You give, I, want back, I want the glory back. I know you're competitive and you want to win. I want the glory back. Will you please give me the glory back? You can have it, don't it? Thank you. All right? Go ahead. Be seated. All right? All right? So, that's what it means to give God the glory in everything. Right? In everything we do. Right? And that's hard for us because there's, it's, it's in us to want the glory for ourselves. But to practice the presence of God means I do everything small or large, any gain I get, any spotlight I get, I just give it back to God. And when I live that way, it just frees me from so much pride and jealousy and competitiveness and all that other stuff. I'm doing this for God. I can't wait to win that prize so I can hand it to God. And what's awesome is that when you and I get to heaven someday, you know what God's going to do? He's going to hand back glory to us. He is. He wants to do that. He tells us in his word. God wants to reward you someday. But until that day, he says, whatever you do, everything you do, give me the glory. That's how you practice the presence of God. I'm doing this message for God's glory today. Whatever you do today, I don't care if, I guess you can't wash your car in this weather, but whatever it is you do, dishes, cleaning up, changing a diaper, Right? Whatever menial thing, whatever, you know, the big earnings, the big sale, whatever it is, can, can we just say, I'm doing this for God's glory. Do you see how that brings God into the moment? I'm doing it for his glory. I'm singing for his glory. I'm preaching for his glory. Okay? Let's move on to our uh, passage of scripture here. Listen to what Paul said. He says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, finish it with me, do it all for what? The glory of God. 
Do it all for the glory of God, all right? Number six, practicing the presence of God means not allowing the accuser to put your past sin between you and God. So I'm going to ask Kyle to come back up. Lynn, you want to come back up? I'm not giving you guys money, but just wanted you to come up here, okay? I want you both uh, to represent. Well, come closer, okay? So Kyle, you stand here. Lynn, will you stand here in front of him, okay? Sideways facing each other. You're going to represent sinners, okay? He's going to represent God, okay? And if you guys don't mind, you put hands on each other's shoulders, but face each other. There we go. All right, so this is the relationship that we have with God, right? Right? Jesus came, he died for us, he reconciles us to the Father, so now I'm in this relationship with God. God loves me at all times. No matter what I say, think, or do, God always loves me. But you know what the enemy likes to do? The enemy likes to come and whisper in our ear and remind us of things we have said and done that, you know, we feel guilty and shameful about. And what he tries to do is, let me in, <laughs> is, he, is he comes in like this, and he faces us with what we've done wrong. He makes us feel guilty. He reminds us of that because he's trying to separate us from this love of God. He's trying to convince us that God could never love us this way. That will keep you from living in the moment with God. Don't live in the moment with your sin. Confess your sin if it's real. If it's been forgiven, it's done. Remind yourself, remind the enemy. Christ died for that. I'm not going to go back and live through that again. I'm in currently, go ahead, a relationship with God right now. Thank you both very much. All right? So let me ask you a question right now. What is standing between you and God? That would rob you being in the moment with him. If it's sin, confess that sin and let it go. Last but not least, practicing the presence of God means being real with God. It means being real with God. It just means being honest with God. Not pretending with God. Sharing your heart with God. Sharing your struggles with God. Being open with God, just being there in the moment with God. See, I'm convinced that we cannot be in the moment with God, with others, if we don't learn to be in the moment with God on our own. And so the question is, and we're going to hit on this in a couple weeks, the question is, does God mean so much to you and me that we will take the time to be in the moment with him? Will we allow God Listen carefully. I'm not asking you to bring God into your moments. What I am asking you is, will you allow God to bring you into his moments with you, wherever you are? Wherever you are. Now, I have three more principles. They're so simple and easy. We'll just put them on the website. And these three principles were just simply to say, okay, We've got that down. Here's how to be in the moment with God. Now, how do you go and bring that? How do you bring yourself in the moment with God in the moment with others? The three simple principles. You're all very smart people. You'll figure it out. But I'll tell you why this is so important. Because the man who influenced my life more than any other man, and I dearly miss him as I thought about him this week, was a man by the name of Stephen Olford. Stephen Olford uh, was from England. Uh, he passed away years ago now. He led Billy Graham into a deeper walk with Christ. He was influential in, in uh, 
um, Charles Stanley's life. I mean, he just had a huge influence. He spoke all over the world. God used him in a powerful way. But what always amazed me about Stephen Olford is, no matter who you were, and I was a nobody as a young man. Still am a nobody, but I mean, I was like nobody. I was no Charles Stanley or anybody like that. The thing that amazed me about Stephen Olford is, if his eyes laid on you and your eyes laid on him, he always gave you that moment and he always, always brought God into that moment with you. And the reason he means so much to me and I, why both Marsha and I miss him so much is he's the, he's the one human being of all people I've ever known. He's the one human being that I can say that man truly walked with God and God walked with him. And when I was done in Stephen's presence, you know what it made me want to do? It made me want to be with God. Because he carried like an aroma with him. And when he left, I didn't think about how great Stephen Olford was. I always thought about, man, God is so great. I want to be like Stephen Olford. I want to live with God that way. And that's what I want for you. And you know what? If you'll bring that into all of your relationships, you'll accomplish more in that than all the doing you could ever try to do. Because people just are desperate right now not to experience you and me. They're desperate to experience God. And the only way they're going to do that is if you and I are in the moment with him. Amen. So I want to close. I want to close. And it's only two minutes long. I want to close and give you a chance to be, as before we leave, in the moment with God. I asked the team to put together just a little two-minute video. There's some music that goes with it. Because I just want you for a few moments to focus. I just want you to focus on the greatness of God on the one hand. And then I want you to focus on how much, how overwhelming it is that this great God would give all of his attention to you. Psalm 19 says, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. Father, as we for a few moments try to gather our thoughts and just gather into your presence as we just look at these images, listen to this music, I just pray, oh God, it would create in us a hunger and a passion in our own lives to be like Mary and sit at your feet and just know that you are and that you are with us right now, not in the past, but in the here, right now. In Jesus' name.